0: Have you ever heard the term a dark night of the soul? A dark night of the soul is a phrase that's used to describe a a spiritual crisis in our journey, in our walk to find communion with God. And while the spiritual crisis is usually temporary, sometimes it can last a long time and it can come in waves and waves of what feels like a growing shadow upon us. A cancer diagnosis. Maybe the death of a loved one, job loss, the deep betrayal of a friend. Maybe it's when one of our children is getting poked fun at or made to feel like they don't fit because they're different. These uh, kinds of tragedies can come our way, and they can easily leave us feeling lost and leave us feeling overwhelmed, and these last couple of years, our missionaries And the folks in the churches where they serve have felt these tragedies come in in waves, more than one after another. And Sunset, we felt the same right here, have we not? And this can lead to feelings of being overwhelmed, feeling like we're surrounded by evil and injustice, feeling like there's nothing we can do. We've got no control. And I like to do things. I like to fix things but sometimes we can't fix it. There's a song written by Andrew Peterson, and in those lyrics, he asks the congregation this question, Do you feel the world is broken? And the congregation responds, We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? And the congregation responds, We do. But then he asks a faith question, and he says, But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? And the congregation looks toward heaven, and they respond, we do. In John 1, verses 1 through 5, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him all things were made. Without Him... Nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of the world. And I ask myself this question, when exactly does the light shine through the darkness? And what does that look like for us today? Well, we know by verse 14 of John chapter 1 that the word talked about there is Jesus, And when we read that Jesus was with God, it's the Greek word pros. And it describes a closeness. It describes the intense focus of one upon the face of another. And it literally means that Jesus was face to face with God. In this case, you get the idea that Jesus could not take His eyes off the glory of God. And the word glory... It describes the essence of one's greatness and goodness. And so Jesus is sharing in the essence of the Father. He's contemplating the Father's goodness and his greatness. The Father brought Jesus a deep, abiding joy. Jesus says that He experienced the Father's glory before the world began, and He cannot wait to return unto that glory once more and share in that glory once more with the Father. He says that in John 17, verse 5. The author of Hebrews captures the essence of Psalm 45, 6 through 7. It's a messianic psalm, and so we understand that what's being said here is being said of Jesus. And so the Father says of Jesus, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness In Luke chapter 4 and verse 17 Jesus unrolls the scroll of Isaiah it lands in Isaiah chapter 61 and we know that that entire psalm is I'm sorry that entire chapter of Isaiah is speaking about the Messiah And Jesus reads the first two verses, "...the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." And after reading these verses, Jesus looks up and he says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's talking about his mission there in those first two verses of Isaiah 61. But in Isaiah verse 10, he kind of shares how he feels about it all. How does he feel about this mission that will demand his life that God has given him and sent him to fulfill? And in Isaiah 61:10, we read, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. This passage tells us that the Father's glory is the source of the Son's joy. I like the way the New Century version reads. It says, The Lord makes me very happy. All that I am, rejoices in God. Do you see the gladness of Jesus and the glory of the Father? Jesus was anointed with gladness. He was thrilled by his assignment to preach the good news because he knew that his Father had sent him. He had anointed him with salvation. His Father was Jesus's source of gladness and it informed everything that he did in his life. And what does that look like? It looks like Jesus walking down the streets and opening the eyes of a blind man so that he could see the Lord. It looks like Jesus healing the ears of a deaf man so that he could hear the good news message. It looks like Jesus healing a lame man who wanted to walk in the ways of the Lord. In Mark chapter and verse 19, it looks like Jesus curing a man possessed of 2,000 demons. And the horror and the persecution that must have been. And then they're all gone. And he's got his peace and he's got his soundness of mind once again. And Jesus tells him, here's what you can do with all that joy that you're experiencing right now. He says, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy upon you. Jesus had joy that was contagious. Jesus had a joy that Zacchaeus didn't have. See, Zacchaeus thought that joy was found in money and getting more and more of it. And Zacchaeus, it seems, was willing to do whatever to get that money, cheap people, take a little bit more than he was supposed to. Zacchaeus thought joy was found in money but after Jesus brought salvation to his house Zacchaeus learned that it's better to give than to receive and Zacchaeus says look Lord here and now I give half of my possession to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus' joy was contagious and Zacchaeus it seems has caught it. Jesus had this deep hunger and thirst. He told His disciples, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. He said that as He was looking upon a crowd of Samaritans coming toward Him with whom He would soon share the good news. The disciples didn't know. They had no idea that the only thing that brought Jesus deep, deep joy on this earth was completing the work of the Father out of the joy of the Father. Jesus' gladness in the Father led Him to the cross. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, we read, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. For the love of the Father, And to bring joy and to bring glory to the Father's name. And for the joy of returning again to the presence of the Father, Jesus endured the cross. But why death on a cross? It's because Jesus was not satisfied in just experiencing and living out of the joy of His relationship with the Father. He wanted all mankind to experience that gladness for themselves. The gladness of the Father's forgiveness. He wanted us to experience that. The gladness of the love of the Father. The gladness of eternal life, of peace. The gladness of the security in knowing that God will never let us go and never leave us behind and never leave us hanging. The joy of knowing our Father loves us and He's with us in every moment. And so Jesus says this to His disciples in John fifteen eleven. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. What Jesus had that the world so desperately needed and that He so desperately needed to give to them was the joy that only can be experienced in relationship with the Father. And that relationship with the Father is the life that Jesus lived on this earth. And when He lived that life into those moments when the world most needed it The light shined through the darkness, and the darkness was not able to overcome it. Our missionaries feel this same gladness in knowing Christ. In fact, what leads them into the streets of Apoxco or Mexico City, or Cairo, Egypt, or Santa Rosa de Copan, Honduras, or the various places where our Amers are serving is what led Christ to the cross. They're taking their deep need, their deep gladness in God to the deep need of the world for God. And when their deep gladness in Christ meets up with the deep need of the world, they, like their Lord, come face to face with what they most need to do and what the world most needs them to do. In Apoxico, Mexico, uh, you remember back September 12th, Israel Molina was here with us. And he described at that time the darkness, how it appears in Apoxico, and he used these words, drug addiction, abuse, poverty, broken marriages, selfishness, materialism. He talked about how he and Nellie have prayed together and at times cried together because they witnessed the destruction that darkness has wrought in so many lives who have been overcome by it. But he also talked about the members of the church who have overcome great obstacles by the power of God. He spoke about how people in the community notice the light in the church. They're drawn by the spiritual community that has been formed there. They're drawn by the practice of compassion. They're drawn by sincere worship. And they're drawn by a love and a desire to study the Word of God. They're attracted to how the Holy Spirit is doing wonderful things in this work. After being in quarantine for many months and then finally able to come back together and meet again, Israel and Nelly called folks together, place where the church meets, about 30 came, and they begin to pray. But they recognized that there are some missing. And then there are some members missing, but there are some contacts that we know and they're not here today. And so after praying, they entered into the streets and they went house to house, these 30 people. And as they went house to house... They'd go inside and they would say, we miss you, and they would listen. They'd listen as the tears rolled down people's cheeks, as people counted to them their loss and their pain and their suffering. And you've heard the quote that listening is so close to loving that few people can tell the difference. They were loved. And the light shined through the darkness that day, Israel said. And so many other days like it when the Lord shows up through our serving. And he said this, he said, it's true that Nellie and I face hard times sometimes, but we want to continue being missionaries because we have seen how God uses us and we are convinced that He will continue to do so with even greater purpose. The deep gladness that Israel and Nellie have in God meets up with the deep need that the people in Apoxico have for God and the light shines through the darkness. I asked Gerardo and Kerala, who are here with us this morning, how have you seen the darkness come in waves over you and your work this past year? Gerardo says he's seen a lot of darkness this past year. He says that he saw the darkness threaten the church in Mexico City most powerfully through the deep betrayal of a leader in the church. He said he's seen it in the damage caused to individuals and families by covid He said he felt it when he fractured his leg and was disabled for five months. He felt it in the illness of his daughter. He felt it in the job losses of brothers in the church. And he said he saw it in the discouragement of some members due to depression and anxiety for lack of any means to better or change their circumstances. And then I asked Gerardo, how have you seen the light of the gospel shine through that darkness? And he said, the last two years and nine months, we've had 48 baptisms in the church. We've survived the betrayal. We've survived the chaos caused by COVID. God's working and he's bearing fruit. And this encourages us. Even though we've been wading through this darkness, we know that we do not belong there. This is not our place. Our place is in the light. And I see that Christ is in us, giving us the joy of His light each and every day. God is always faithful. And in His time, His Son lights and He shines and He reveals darkness and hidden sin. And where people are willing, He will bring healing. And for this reason, Gerardo says, I practice an awareness of God and His presence every day in every circumstance. In Santa Rosa de Copan, Honduras, where Abby works, with the deaf, they experience darkness. The deaf experienced the darkness of silence, of not being able to communicate with those around you. The darkness that comes from the constant, persistent message that you are despised by your community, that you are shameful to your family, that the best thing is to hide you and keep you out of the spotlight. At the age of 57, Carlos was living in the dark under a bridge. Abby and some of the members of the church were walking through the neighborhood and asking, are there any deaf that you know of in this area? They said, well, there's the old man who lives under the bridge down by the bar. Carlos was invited to come to the deaf school, and there he learned his name, and he learned sign language, and at 58, he entered into first grade. He has attended weekly Bible studies in church for over five years and this past July, before he was baptized into Christ, he signed, Jesus is the Son of God who died for me, cleaning me from my sins. With this baptism, I will die to my sinful way and be forever clean because of his blood. Carlos is in the sixth grade now and he has the reputation of being the class clown. He's got to do something with all that gladness. In Cairo, Egypt, Alfred sees the darkness of poverty and lack of jobs, the loss of lives, the long-term and persistent illness in his own family and in others in the church. I'm going to share with you a, a compilation of some of his writing from his newsletters and some conversations he and I have had. He starts out his latest newsletter saying, "'How priceless is your unfailing love, O God? People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house.'" You give them drink from your river of delights, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. He goes on and he says, there are often times when life gets so overwhelming, when we feel surrounded by evil and injustice, and in these moments of despair, we plead with God to provide us his sure guidance, his light to help us safely navigate through these situations to His desired destination for each of us, His presence and awareness of His love for us. In God's presence, we surely will renew our hope and joy. The light of truth and the assurance of God's presence by His Holy Spirit, these will guide us and these will keep us. I've often thought, how does Alfred do it? How does he carry so much? And here he tells us, He practices the presence and the joy of God. You can tell what Alfred wants because he'll ask you to pray for it. And he often says in his newsletters, pray this prayer for me. Pray that I may open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And I guess those of you who read his reports have been praying that prayer because just recently he baptized two Muslim families into Christ. In Taronga, New Zealand, David and Olivia and their boys love getting involved in people's lives. They love it and seek all kinds of ways to do so. And yet it's hard work. Evangelizing and mobilizing the church in outreach ministries is very challenging in an atheistic society. Oftentimes they face rejection. David recently wrote in his newsletter, In a predominantly atheist country, we know our kids will be targets for insults. Caleb had his faith verbally attacked a couple of times and some of Seth's friends made fun of him for being an American. Both boys have had some heart attacks since the beginning of the year. That's hard to face persecution when it comes against you but when you see your kids endure it it's another level of, of pain. David goes on to say, but through these attacks the boys have matured in their faith and confidence. I'm proud of those boys I'm proud of you, David and Olivia. And I'm proud of you, Caleb and Seth. We're proud of you because you know who you are and you know whose you are and you let the joy of the Lord shine through that darkness each and every day. And we have no doubt that that's producing a fruit that will be seen and celebrated in eternity. Our missionaries are doing what they most need to do and what the world most needs to have done. For the joy set before them Our missionaries look for and they work toward these moments when their gladness in Christ will meet with the world's deep need for Christ do you feel the world is broken we do do you feel the shadows deepen we do but do we know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through we do don't we we gather in worship to God this morning And we're celebrating the gladness that we have in Him. And we begin to look for those moments. Those moments of joy in the Lord that He set before us. And Sunset Mission Sunday is one of those moments. It's one of those moments because we say on Sunset Mission Sunday that we believe that all the dark won't stop the light from shining through. On Mission Sunday, our deep gladness in Christ Jesus meets up with the world's deep need for Him through our giving and through our sending out of our missionaries. We give to missions today knowing that the light shines through the darkness, and the darkness has not and will not overcome it.